Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The things that God has for you. You can be upstanding, you can walk in the light, you can tell the truth. And if he has it for you, he will bring it to pass in your life. And there will be anything that you've done to shame someone else. You know, I, I, and I, I would just, for those, especially for those that work in the world, you know, be careful about trying to get ahead by, you know, putting your foot on someone else's head to get there. Because you do reap what you sow. You, you'll reap what you've sown. If that's how you got there, one, you're going to be there in insecurity. We all experience mistakes that feel so awful. We just want to hide it all away. It doesn't matter how good life is treating us or how successful it may seem. Difficult times are inevitable for all of us. In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you need to bring your mistakes out into the light. The more you try to shove them under the rug, the worse it all gets. You can't hide from God. Let Him work His miraculous plans through you and be forgiven by way of His gift of grace. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We were looking at the life of Gideon and we came to the end of his life and while at the beginning and the middle there have been a lot of very encouraging aspects of Gideon's life, as we came to the end of his life, we saw that it, it didn't kind of end on a great note. And so while Gideon had, you know, been a man of faith and obedience earlier on and um, had a great victory through God's help over the Midianites and brought them into a place of victory. We saw at the end of his life, it said that he had uh, 70 kids, uh, which wouldn't be bad if it was all with one woman. But um, I don't know that there's a woman like that out there. You know, he had a lot of different wives. That was bad. Um, that was that was not God's program, God's plan. And so um, that's one of the things that went wrong. There was the, the Israel fell back into idolatry and some other things. It mentions in the, in the toward the end of chapter eight, it says that Gideon had a son in verse 31 through a concubine. So this isn't one of his wives. Uh, this is just a woman who, um, you know, just another relationship that he had. And so verse 31 and his concubine who was in Shechem also bore him a son whose name is uh, whose name he called Abimelech. And so. Now, the name Abimelech, because we're going to pick up in chapter nine, verse one, it's in the first word is then Abimelech. The name Abimelech means my dad is the king. Right. What did what did Gideon say when the people said, be our king, reign over us? What did he tell them? Anybody remember? What was that? The Lord will be. The, the, yeah, right. He said, I'm not going to be your king. The Lord is going to be your king. Right. So you have a man that refused. Said, no, no, no. I'm not going to be your king. God's going to be your king. That was a good call. But now he's got a son named my dad is the king. Some have suggested that the mother, um, you know, had her 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 five minutes of fame with, you know, this important figure. And so she named her son because otherwise she's just an obscure thing. She was some woman from Shechem. But now she named her son. My my son's name is my dad is the king, you know, whatever. And so there's only speculations. We don't know how all that came about. We just know that there's a son here whose name is my dad is king who came from a concubine not a not a not a not a, a wed wife and this guy is going to cause all kinds of problems for um, the people of Israel now and so and the family of Gideon in particular so now look at chapter 9 verse 1 it says then Abimelech the son of Zerubbabel 
And Zerubbabel is the other name for Gideon, if you guys remember that. Uh, he went to Shechem to his mother's brothers, and he spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem, which is better for you that all 70 men or all 70 of the sons of Zerubbabel rule, ran over you. Remember that I am your own flesh and bone. And so what Abimelech is doing is going to his brothers on his mother's side. And he's saying, look, Abimelech, my dad on my dad's side, he's got all these other sons. Do you want all 70 of them to reign over you? Or do you just want me? Wouldn't you rather just have me? Because at least I'm your family. They're, they're going to reign over you guys. They don't really care about you guys, but I'm family. And so he's kind of taking advantage of his position and say, you know, let's let's take out. He's going to want to take out all of the sons of Gideon. And so all these sons that he had through these affairs and relationships and whatnot, um, our army wives there were, he said he had many. Um, this son, Abimelech, in order to be king, is going to say, we got to we got to wipe them out so that there's no threat to me so that I can get into position. And there is one overarching theme in this chapter, and it's the idea of sowing and reaping. And I wrote down on the top of my notes three different times. You sow bad, you reap bad. Abimelech, though he did a lot of things good, he did sow some bad seed and having all those women and all those children. And though it didn't happen in his lifetime, it's coming to pass just after his lifetime. Uh, we're going to see what Abimelech here, what he's doing is wrong. Uh, what he's doing is wicked. And he's going to sow bad. And we're going to see by the end of the chapter, he reaps as well. And I would just challenge everybody here right up front that the Bible teaches us, right, that whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. That statement begins with the phrase that God is not mocked. And so everybody consider how you're sowing. How are you getting into the position that you want to get into? Um, Abimelech is seeking to get where he wants to get by smashing other people. And I think we all know that that's not how God does it. Uh, and I've often told people this, anything God wants you to have, you'll never have to sin against God to get it. Never. I won't have to put anybody down. I won't have to slight someone, backstab someone. I'll never have to sin against God to get what God is going to give me. And I thought of a time, there was a, a time in my life, this is shortly after I got saved, Actually, the guy that led me to the Lord, he's been a she's been a, a, a sheriff, then a detective. We went together to take the test for the sheriff's department at 19 years old. And we both went. We both passed the first part. Then there had a thing called a criminal questionnaire. And the counsel I had received from the church I was going to at the time was that if you haven't been convicted of it, don't acknowledge that you ever did it. Basically, if you didn't get convicted for it, don't say you did it. And. And this happened as I got there and I passed the first part. They have a thing called a criminal questionnaire. They bring you in and they ask you. It's a bunch of questions, um, detailed questions. And it's asking you about things that you may or may not have done that you weren't convicted of. Have you ever sold drugs? Uh, have you ever been involved in gangs? Have you ever had a fight? Have you had fights within this many times with the fights related to gang violence? It was the question if you said, yes, I have sold drugs. How much how much money worth? And over what span of time, and it would get more and more detailed. And I remember sitting there and I felt compelled by the spirit just to tell the truth. That if I was supposed to be a sheriff, that I could tell the truth. Either they would see my extensive history and say, this guy's going to make us a good cop. That's what I thought might happen or not. You know, so I told the truth about everything. I told the 100 percent truth. And when I got done, the guy asked me to come in. He said he appreciate my honesty. 
Uh, he said, but uh, because of the things written there, they weren't going to be able to move forward with me anyway. But he said this. He said, so that you don't feel bad. If you had a lie, the last step in the process to become a sheriff is a lie detector test. So the same questions you answered truthfully today, you would have been asked one more time with a lie detector. So if you had lied today, you would have been excited about eight months from now, thinking that your foot was in the door only to be told, sorry, you're not a, you're not an honest person. And so he said, so you just basically saved yourself. And I was like, all right, here's the deal. I look back to that and the counsel that I received was bad counsel. Right. If God wanted me to be a sheriff, I could have told the truth and become one. Now, I told the truth and they said, no, I'm not mad at those people. That wasn't God's will for my life. Amen. Amen. So the same is true for all of us here. The things that God has for you. You can be upstanding. You can walk in the light. You can tell the truth. And if he has it for you, he will bring it to pass in your life. And there will be anything that you've done to shame someone else. You know, I, I and I, I would just, for those, especially for those that work in the world, you know, be careful about trying to get ahead by, you know, putting your foot on someone else's head to get there because you do reap what you sow. You, you'll reap what you've sown. If that's how you got there. One, you're going to be there in insecurity because you know how you got there. You're going to be, are you trying to do that to me? Are you trying to, you're going to be feeling like that's how you're going to be living. And, and then lo and behold, if you sow like that, you're going to reap like that. But if you end up in a position because God put me here, then you're there in security. God put me here and I can't be removed unless God removes me. So I, you, you could be my friend. You could talk about me. I'm good. I'm, I'm at peace because I'm not, I didn't get here. I didn't strive to, to gain. So I don't have to strive to maintain. God put me where I'm at. You'll live a much more peaceful life if you live that way. And so be careful how you sow. Abimelech is trying to figure out, I want to be the king. And in order to be king, I got to take advantage of the fact that I'm, I am Gideon's son on my mother's side. And I got family on my mother's side, but, but all those other kids that he had, there's 70 of us. So there's 69 other people that might want to succeed his position. Interestingly, in Israel, God had not established uh, a, a kingdom where whereas a man died and his son became king in his stead. That hadn't been established yet. But but uh, sorry, Bimelech is saying, I want to be the king. And in order to do so, I got 69 people I got to snuff out to get here. And I'm willing to do that. And I just want you to think about I look at that and I think what he was willing to do to, to get a position kill 69 brothers, family members. And again, I look at that and I think, man, that's, that's, it's almost unthinkable. Um, and I, I would just challenge us here that don't ever want something that bad. Don't ever want something so bad that you would, you'd be willing to kill. You'd be willing to, to kill other people, take their life, take their dreams or whatever. Don't ever want something that bad. Uh, be careful about something you would want that bad. And so uh, moving on, it says now, um, verse three, his mother's brother spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said he is our brother. So he persuaded all the men of Shechem uh, with his speech. They said, you know what? At least he's family. At least he's our brother. At least we're kin to him. And so their allegiance is with their family, not with the Lord. And I want you to pay attention to that, too. That's another issue in a day and a time in which we're living. It's many people's allegiance is in the wrong places. Our allegiance is to who? It's to God, period. My allegiance is not to my country. My allegiance is not to my culture. My allegiance is not to my family. My allegiance is to God. And that's where my allegiance needs to lie. And so be careful if you feel like, man, I've got an allegiance to this over here. 
Make your allegiance to the Lord and leave it there. Let that dictate what you will and won't do, how you live, what the decisions you make. is God, I'm, I'm making all my decisions based on what God wants. My allegiance is to him. Why? Because that's who died for you. And when you die, that's who you're going to go meet. You're going to go meet the Lord. And so you want to have your allegiance to him. All right. Verse four now it says, so he gave, so they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal Bereth. So his brothers give him startup money from the temple of Baal. So that's already bad. You're going to, you're going to begin this thing. The, the, the devil is going to fund your work. He should have known right there. I mean, this is going to end bad, right? They funded for him and it says, uh, which Abimelech hired. This is what he did with the money he got from the devil's temple. He hired worthless and reckless men and they followed him. What did he do? He went and found some scoundrels. He went and found some worthless. Think about those two words, worthless, reckless. He went and found some people that ain't about nothing and paid them to come follow me, guys. We're going to go do we got we got some work to go do. And. Again, you know, as I look at this and I read it, I think, you know, what's what are the lessons in this for us? It just seems so obvious. Right. One, you're going in the wrong direction. Your allegiance is to the wrong place. You want something so bad you're willing to sin to get it. You're allowing the enemy to fund the direction that you're going and you're aligning yourself with other, you know, you're going to become the leader of reckless, worthless men. You're going to be the king of the reckless and worthless men. You're, you're the worst. You're the worst one of the bunch. You're the leader of worthless and reckless. As believers, who are we supposed to be trying to collect around us? Second Timothy two twenty two. Flee youthful lusts, right? But pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We're supposed to be surrounding ourselves with people that are loving the Lord, going in God's direction, seeking to do things God's way. That's that's who we want to be running with. And so, be careful if. To get where you're going, you got to be running with people that don't even know the Lord. I, I'm going to say this because um, it came, it came, it came just, I'm going to say because it, it came to my heart, right? Um, in considering colleges and all those different things, it's a big deal in a lot of cultures, a lot of groups to go to college and become part of a sorority or fraternity, right? Um, one of the issues that I have with fraternities and sororities, it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood. But it's not founded in God. So you'll take a kid that's been raised up in the Lord and they'll go to college. These are my sisters now. These are my brothers. We, we pledged together. We went through this and that together. Now there's a fellowship, a friendship, a, a kinship, if you will. And some of those people, they're, they're so they're dedicated to that lifelong. And you're linked in like family fibers with people that don't know God. I have a friend right now that has been wooed away from grew up in a Christian home. Family member was a pastor, raised up in the Lord. He's been wooed away. And the beginning of him being wooed away was him making that allegiance. And then all of his time began to be spent there. And then it was, you know, functions to for fundraisers, good things in bad environments. We're doing a fundraiser for this. But, bro, you got cognac and cigars. That's not even how you used to get down. That's not even your environment, but that's where you're at now. And I watched it just unravel. Now he's not serving anymore. He attends here and there, you know, and, and it's like, man, you know, that 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 allegiance has hurt him. Um, so I discourage kids from that. You know what? Go find you a Christian group on campus and link up with them and find some kids that are saying we're going to honor God through college. We're going to finish college with the Lord being king. We're not going to get to college and run amok and waste our lives. We're going to honor God while we're here. Find that group. 
and run with that group. Don't find the group that's saying, we're going to pledge. Because you know what the promise is? If you pledge with this group, you know, beyond college, we're going to be able to support you. And when you get over here, we're going to help you out. And there'll be doors open here and doors open there. Who are we supposed to be looking to to open doors? The Lord. I'm not looking to you and your friendship and your allegiance. That means nothing. Looking to the Lord. So that's just for free. Um, I, I, it's, one of those, it's one of those places where I see people making allegiances. And I'm like, no, 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 not as a Christian. As a non-believer, that's the best you can do. But as a believer, we have so much more. And so I'm, 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 not, I'm not about that. Anyway, moving on. So they, he got his 70 worthless, reckless friends together or people that he hired with the money from Satan's temple, the temple of Baal. Verse five, then he went to his father's house at Orpha and he killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Zerubbabel on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Zerubbabel, was left because he hid himself. So he went and he took these worthless men, these worthless and reckless men. And it says that he cut off. He took all these. He took the the sons of Zerubbabel or, or Gideon and he killed them all on one stone. There was a stone that they would use basically to cut people's heads off. Um, and so basically you lay, you, you lay a head down and you lop it off, lop it off. So when it says he killed all of them on one stone, that meant that one, one by one on this stone, they lopped off the head. So it's a, it's a gruesome picture that's painted here. But he did it. He's a murderer. Uh, he just murdered all of all of those that he thought might succeed him. He took the money from the enemy's temple and the worthless, reckless men that he hired. And he just murdered all of his brothers on his father's side so that so that no one would be able to come against him. No one would be able to take the throne from him later on. Verse six in this very place where Joshua's in victory said, here, leave a copy of the law of God here. They're right there doing this. And I, I look at this and I was I was considering this in a couple of places here. There are landmarks. There are things where God had done something positive. And now you have the enemies of God in that same place. And I just want you to consider that ground is always being fought for. Now, for them, the ground that was being fought for were places. You know, this place where God had established a work of him and left a copy of the law of God. These worthless, reckless, sinful men went to that same location and did something vile for you and me. God's not really fighting for visit, like physical locations. The locations God wants is you. God wants all of just like them. He was trying to get um, bring them into the whole land of promise. God's trying to apprehend all of your life by the blood of Christ. He purchased you It's all of you. And so there'll be parts of your life. Well, look, this same life that God has done something at this time that was significant and wonderful. Satan's like, can I get a hold of that life and do something vile? Can I take over that place that was once used for this and use it for that? And we got to all battle against that. We all, we all have to battle against letting the enemy get, get a victory in us. Because what are we, we, we're, we're the people of God. We're, 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 we're the place where God lives now. We are the temple of the living God, it says in Corinthians, right? You and me are the temple of the living God, God's house. And the enemy would love nothing more than, the, can I do something vile in God's house? Can I get in where God's been doing something wonderful, wonderful and do something awful. And sometimes those are the victories that the enemy gets. You know, he'll find a place where, you know, this person, God was using them this way. And now, now I've got a hold of them. Now, now I'm using them to, to speak against or to, 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 to be a witness against. And so we, we all want to be careful of that. Um, that's what's happening here. This place was once uh, represented victory. You know, there was, there was monuments left that say God's God's word rules and reigns in this place. And it's in this place where uh, this time they're doing something contrary to what had been done previously. Verse seven, it says, now when they told Jotham, he went and he stood on top of Mount Gerizim 
And he lifted his voice and he cried out and he said to them. So the one son that escaped, Jotham, he's going and he's going to speak to the people. And this is the first parable given in scripture. He's going to share uh, what he's going to share. He's sharing it in the form of a parable. Uh, a parable is a story. And the goal of the parable is to is to kind of bring out there's one or two important points. So you want to be careful about reading a parable and then dissecting each piece and part. The parable is like giving an illustration. I'm just kind of making a point. Um, it's not for you to dissect every little piece and part of it like it actually happened. It's a story that's left to give a part. So having said that, I read I read some things on this parable that were like, I mean, it was, it was interesting. They, were, they did the exact thing you don't do to a parable. They dissected it and made it all about prophecy and Israel and, and all these different things. And he's just making an important point and we'll see it very clearly as we read his parable. So that's what he says. Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The first hint that this young man is speaking on the authority of God, he said, look, you listen to me, that God may listen to you. And there, there's an authority about even how he opens this up. And so he said in verse eight, the trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. And they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go sway over trees? Who did they beg to be king over them? Gideon, right? And you'll see that each imagery of these three things are all representing something from Israel. The olive tree, the fig tree and the vine, all symbols of Israel. So he says, hey, you, 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 the, the, the trees, these are the people said, hey, come rain over us. But he said, no, I'm not going to stop giving. I'm not going to cease giving my oil um, and, and rain or go sway over trees. Verse 10. Then the tree said to the fig tree, you come rain over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go sway over trees? Then the tree said to the vine, you come and rain over us. But the vine said to them, should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men and go sway over you? And so in each of those three things, the olive tree, the fig tree and the vine, all symbols of Israel, um, they said, no, we're not going to do it. Um, we're not coming. To, we're not coming to reign over you. We're, we're doing something already that glorifies and honors God. Then it says in verse 14, then all the trees said to the bramble. And you might know what bramble is. You got we just went from the olive tree that produces oil, sweetness, um, the fig tree that produces fruit, you know, fig newtons, yummy goodness, and the vine that produces wine and grapes and all these things. And now we're at the bramble. The bramble is a little short, stubby, useless bush that it was good for firewood. It was good for, for getting the fire crackling and getting it going. Bramble. It even sounds like it's worthless, you know. And so when you as you read this through, who was the bramble that they that they called upon? Right. He's going to be the bramble. So it says, um, then the tree said to the bramble, you come reign over us. In, if, if in truth you anoint me as king over us, then come and take shelter in my shade. Again, the bramble doesn't even produce shade. It's a little bitty stubby nothing. Um, so, but if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. And um, and that's you, you we're going to see that that's exactly what takes place. There's going to be judgment that comes as we would expect from what Abimelech has done. Verse 16. Now, therefore, if you have acted in truth and sincerity and making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Zerubbabel in his house and have done to him as he deserves, for my father fought for you and risked his life and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. 
but you have risen against my father's house this day and killed his 70 sons at one stone on one stone and made Abimelech the son of his female servant king over the men of Shechem because he is your brother. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill has been working his way through the eventful book of Judges. In this book, you hear about men and women of valor and courage who were willing to risk their lives, but put their faith in God to the test. Gideon is just one that comes to mind as he asked God to show him what he should do, and God showed up mightily. God delights in seeing your faith go big. Do you believe God for big things? Or do you sink into believing that it's too difficult for God? God just waiting to see you ask and trust Him for things in faith. Maybe you'll have a faith story that equals some of these people in the book of Judges. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m., and a midweek service on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Under the teaching tab, you'll find links to our messages. While you're at the website, why not download the mobile app? You'll get access to all our messages so you can have them on the go. If you haven't found what you're looking for on our website, Feel free to call us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Our time with you is up for today. But thanks for listening. We look forward to next time as we hear a transforming word.